Hello, hello, hello. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber, and we have a great episode for you with Bjarne Salen. Uh, I hope I'm saying his name right, like with the proper accent. I know like well, people just kind of give a shit a pass these days, but you know, we're trying to do things correct around here. And Bjarne is honestly like a gem of a human being. I really wasn't sure how the conversation was going to go. Sometimes like you have filmers or photographers or cinematographers on and it's, it's hard to get a good conversation rolling, but man, this dude is on it off the bat. And uh, I really enjoyed that. We were able to just talk about a whole bunch of different stuff. I hope you enjoy it as well. Um, and uh, yeah, the dude's a legend, obviously one of the best storytellers in skiing. And as always, I'm honored to have these people on the show because uh, they make it happen. Like, I don't know. I don't have shit for shit without these people. So thank you to BRNA for spending the time with me. And let's jump into some stuff. Um, obviously, before we jump into that stuff, let's just talk about real quick that we are... Uh, I think at this point we're wrapped up with Snowbound, right? So we don't have to worry about that right now. The main thing is pushing people to the YouTube channel, which is just out of collective on YouTube. And we've got some awesome stuff going on there, including gear reviews. Um, we got all kinds of like little contenty videos coming out throughout the winter. We've got a bunch of new projects happening. It's a lot going on, man. I'm tired. That's why I asked Bjarne if he was tired because I am tired. Um, and we haven't even seen an inch of snow. It is 75 degrees as I'm saying this right now. Um, so it kind of gives you a time frame estimate of where we're at so um before we jump in we have some ads today including one that is very relevant to today's episode alpine vans is a sponsor of the out of bounds podcast my friend todd makes some of the nicest vans in existence on planet earth uh you have probably seen them in the 50 project because cody townsend is rocking one of these vans it is uh it's beautiful somebody pulled me over on the side of the street the other day I was like, dude, this is literally the nicest van I've ever seen in my entire life. And I would agree. It is so ridiculous that I'm driving one of these things around and it's so ridiculous that one of these things exists. There is literally a house in your back seat. That is uh, that is such a thing that like I would have never considered in my lifetime. But man, is it cool. Full layout in the bed. You can actually like fully sleep in this bed. Like I'm six foot. I can lay out and be comfortable. And honestly, it's probably the best sleep I've had in a year is sleeping in the back of this thing. Cause it's cool. It's comfortable. And I'm obviously going on and on and it's a huge fan and I'm a huge fan. But the point is, is go to alpinevans.com. Learn more about the team, learn more about Mr. Todd and uh, hit him up. Todd at alpinevans.com. It's dude. I'm shocked. Like you got to get more info, look into a van build yourself. I am. Yeah, I'm beside myself about how dope this thing is. So, um, meticulous bordering on OCD. This is fact, actually. Like, he was like, oh, this one that you're getting, it's got a couple warts here and there. And, like, dude, it's not does not have a couple warts. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. So, shows you the standard that these guys are at. So, on to the next here. After you hit up Todd at Alpine Vans, we're going to keep selling you stuff here. Uh, in the name of capitalism, uh, we are going to hook you up with a great deal on this year's winter sale from Rumple. Uh, Rumble makes the original puffy blanket. They also make some awesome merch. Wow, look at that hat. Kind of want one of those. It's a dope hat. Um, they make scarf. They make little like coverall poncho puffy things. And uh, they work with uh, people that I know and actually really enjoy very much, like uh, Rachel Pohl, who's a past guest on the show and is one of the best artists in the outdoor space. Uh, the stuff is beautiful, and they've able they've been able to put her artwork on a blanket and it's one that you absolutely have to have behind me is Brooklyn Bell's signature model. There are uh, a plethora, I guess you would say of amazing 
artist collabs that exist, including a Grateful Dead one at rumple.com and everything's on sale right now. So get your loved ones some rumple products at rumple.com today. Uh, without further ado, I always say without further ado, and it's always with further ado. Leave us a review on iTunes. Leave us a review on Spotify. Please, please, please help the show grow. Help us keep doing what we're doing. I appreciate it very much. And on to the episode with Mr. Bionis Sullivan. Bjarne, tell people a little bit about, first of all, who you are, a little bit about yourself, and then we can kind of roll from there. Well, I'm uh, I'm Bjarne Salen from Sweden, actually, originally. I've been uh, living in uh, France for about seven years, and then I came over to the U.S. Uh, seven years ago now, and uh, I've been making uh, ski films and other documentaries around the world for 13 years now. started my filming company when I was uh, 20, so that makes sense. I think I'm 33 now, yeah. Uh, so... I do that a lot for a living. Obviously, I've done it for many years. I uh, work with athletes around the world. And I also started a van business uh, where we convert cargo vans to some really beautiful uh, adventure vans. Uh, I've done it for many years and started a business with that last year as well. So doing kind of both right now, running a couple of businesses, uh, which is uh, which is challenging and fun. Uh, and, then, and then I train a lot to be able to uh, be in the mountains a lot so that's uh that's the short version of me are you tired all the time uh that depends on definition of tired uh, <laughs> i enjoy uh taking care of myself uh, having yeah. boundaries and not work too much and not train too much and also sleep and hang out with friends you know yeah how so that's a good probably a good topic like what what does setting boundaries look like for you and how do you manage that i think that's a thing that so many people especially in this industry have a have a very difficult time managing because there's so much going on all the time there's like it feels like there's a new opportunity every five minutes and like it's it's really hard to not immerse yourself in every single opportunity that comes through the door and also like make sure that you're giving a hundred percent to the things that you really do care about so what does setting boundaries look like for you? Setting boundaries for me <clears throat> is based on my previous years when I haven't had boundaries. And uh, that's been, <clears throat> excuse me, that's been making me work way too much and uh, doing more things than I actually want to do in terms of hours, etc. cetera. Uh, Last year, I worked like 90 hour weeks, uh, many weeks in a row. And I mean, it's possible for a short time, uh, but it's not sustainable whatsoever. Uh, you don't get enough sleep. You don't take care of yourself. Uh, because to me, to be able to live a, a decent lifestyle, you're going to have good sleep and you're going to eat well and you're going to exercise some. Uh, I'm not saying everyone needs to exercise as much as I do or yeah but it's like if you have a good balance of that then then uh, then you function better as a human and you can and you can tackle more things in life in general and uh, the balance for me a year ago was absolutely nuts yeah so um starting like this summer was pretty good start for me because I'm trying to not uh, work more than uh 40 hours a week approximately maybe sometimes more sometimes less and uh, to me, that's been a, a, a hard challenge to not say yes to everything uh, because opportunities arises. And then if you say yes to everything, then you end up 
not feeling great in the end. Uh, I mean, I've been saying yes to everything for many years, and I think you have to do that in the start in the in the industry, whatever industry you are in, especially if you're self-employed, like yeah. starting filming in the mountains when you're young. It's like <clears throat> you can't really. Nah, I don't feel like that. You know, like you got to say yes and get a foot in the door and get all the contacts out there. And so I think, I think that's okay to do that. Uh, but if you still do that for many, many, many years, like a decade later, then, and you're not feeling good, then it's like, well, you got to change that, uh, in, in my opinion, you know? Um, so that's been a good challenge uh, for me uh, and take care of my body. You know, I'm not, I'm not 20 anymore. I got a lot of small injuries coming here and there. So if I want to continue being in the mountains as much as I have been, I need to, found those boundaries and also take care of myself. Yeah. Was there a definitive moment like last season where you were like, fuck, this is too much. Like this, I need to like relax and like tone it back a little bit if I want to keep doing this. Yeah. It was like in February there, it was like we were building vans and uh, in this new warehouse we have here in Hood River, uh, we have a client we're building a van for, and we're building my van at the same time. And, uh, and we just kind of, it, w- it was a lot of things going on because I was going to hit the road at the same time, started filming and, uh, and I just didn't take care of my body. You know, I could, I could feel it. It was like, uh, I didn't sleep well at all. Uh, and, and at that time I was like, this is, you got to step it down an inch, you know, uh, it was okay. I'm not, I'm not at all changing my mind that I pushed hard for right. many months or maybe uh, many years at all but you know when you start feeling not so healthy then yeah uh, not just health but it's like patient and communication with others you don't see your friends you don't talk to your family as much it's like the only thing you do is work and to me that's that's not why i'm here you know right yeah i think that's a difficult thing it, people always think about like oh i want to do this stuff it's so cool that you do this stuff it's so like you're living the dream almost right but i think managing the relationships in your actual life is is one of the hardest things that people can do especially for athletes filmer like anybody trying to make a stamp in this industry it's like yeah you're committing a lot of time you're away from home a lot and there's it's really hard to find a base and and that's one of the things that i'm always like completely shocked by I think is that people are able to make that work somehow and still like push whatever this career that they're chasing is yeah that's uh that's not easy at all I mean it comes with sacrifices like any career you know it's it's about time if you want to if you want to go somewhere you have to spend a lot of time uh, but we need to travel a lot of course and that's that's a very luxury problem so I'm not complaining about that whatsoever but it does take a lot of time out of your social life uh that is for sure yeah yeah i think everybody's always really careful about sounding like they're complaining about stuff because it's like it is a very cool job and so many people look at it and like i would kill to do that kind of job you know but at the same time i think it's important to acknowledge that there it's not all fun and it's a lot of hard work to make this kind of shit happen oh it's like it's so much it's uh (laughs) i'm not complaining whatsoever and I, i shouldn't complain i'm very lucky to be in the position i am where i can go around in the world and film and climb these mountains and ski them and uh, getting paid for it and then building vans as a business as well. It's like, I'm very lucky that I can do that. And I would say that I'm lucky that I was able to be in that position to start it, if that makes sense. Because when I started it, that's like up to me if it's going to happen or not. Yeah. 
So I wouldn't say I, I'm I'm lucky that I am where I am. I'm lucky that I was be that I was able to start it mm. because most people are not, you know. So uh, so that that's like, and then from there it's just hard hard fucking work, you yeah. know, to be able to get it going. Uh, and and it comes sacrifices with that in terms of time and things like that we we talked about earlier. Uh, so definitely, you know, pros and cons and. Like any self-employed, it's like something that many people don't think about is that if if you are working for a company and you wake up in the morning and you have your coffee and you're feeling good and you don't think about much of work and you go to work and you work and you clock in, you clock out and come home. Yeah. And then you don't think about work. Uh, <laughs> but doing what we do is that work is all the time 24 7 you know uh and that's that's also very important with the boundary you know because if you don't have that boundary and answering emails on sunday mornings and then clients think that you're gonna answer all those emails all the time you know yeah. uh, so i think that's a good thing personally with the boundary as well like i'm not gonna answer a, a an email on sunday at 1 p.m. when a van client is asking about something i'm like i know this is your spare time but it's not mine so let's do it monday morning you know right right yeah and i I think that's really important because you're right when you work for yourself there is especially when you're trying to make stuff happen and you're working as hard as you possibly can like and you're and you have that kind of grit to make that happen you you almost get in the mindset where you're willing to answer emails all the time. You're willing to do the work extra. You're willing to do all this stuff. So I think finding that vein where where it's okay to be like, yeah, Sunday I don't answer emails. Like end of story. Like sorry. Like I'm I, sorry, but not sorry. Right. Like I I need this time for me. And that's the thing that every small business owner, whether it's your personal brand or you work for, you know, you own a big company. I think every business owner has that problem of figuring out where the separation is. Yeah, I think so too. And that separation, the first years for any new business owner, if that is making ski movies or building vans or doing any uh, work when you start your own business, that's, you kind of have to put those hours in for weekends, you know, and get things going. But the thing with the uh, making ski movies and, other documentaries is also obviously big passion so right it's um it blends in very often so but again i'm I'm more than happy and grateful for right. being in this position that's for sure but it's a reality like every job is not fun sometimes i'm also like this fucking sucks you know <laughs> yeah 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 that's how it goes uh, that's that's actually an interesting point too is like because this is something that you're so passionate about and you do it because you love it and you decide to make it a career do you do you have a hard time with that sometimes like or have you just fully accepted the fact that like this is what I chose and I love working in this but you know sometimes because sometimes I feel like yeah my life is skiing my life is talking about skiing my life is doing this kind of stuff sometimes I'm like I forget to enjoy the actual act that I was so passionate about when I started doing any of this and I and I've talked to other people whether it's an athlete or people in media that kind of feel this similar thing where it's like it becomes a job it's it's hard to bring yourself back to that point where you're like I really love this and and doing it for just the love of it and no work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in the my first five six years, I feel like it was just fun and uh, it was my job too. But I it was like oh, it's just fun anyway. You know, yeah. it didn't feel like I was working nearly. Uh, but but now it's like skiing is still a fun and a passion. But it's not at all the same as right. 10 years ago, right. you know, 
it's like I'd say 90% of my skiing days, I'm in work mode. Yeah. Or 95% of my days on the mountain. So it's not very often I go up and, you know, ski for fun with my buddies yeah. or because sometimes I also very often I go up and just go quick up the mountain and down and it's like a training session. And, yeah. you know, that is fun, but I wouldn't push it at as hard if it wasn't for being fit for me working in the mountains. Yeah. I would still go up and enjoy it with friends maybe more, but I would take it a bit more chill. So, yeah. for example, we talked about this, a friend of mine, we were at running the other day here on a good trail run, and he was like, oh, we're going to go up and ski on Sunday. It's going to be shit, but do you want to join? I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know why I said? It's like, you know, my ski season ends in end of june so right. if i start skiing in start of november then i'm gonna be burnt out on skiing in may june for sure so yeah. for me to i don't have much formal whatsoever if i see people skiing tomorrow i'm like yeah. not a problem it's like i get my i get my wiggles out but i cannot go skiing a lot right now because then i'll be burnt out you know yeah it's a really interesting thing. Like people do, they love that early season grind. It's especially in new England. It's funny, like Killington opens, it, they haven't opened yet, obviously, cause it's 75 out right now in new England. But, um, normally they open early, early. And it's like this one white ribbon of death, basically that like, you know, a few hundred people come and ski on where it's literally like one, you know, 30 meter wide trail. And you got a million people on it. It feels like, but everybody's like hunting that early season day. And it's always been a little bizarre to me like it's great that people really love it and love to do that that much that they want to get out no matter what but it's like you wait a couple of weeks and you can actually go skiing yeah i mean i i hear you for sure yeah. but i remember myself in early 20s in chamonix it was yeah. like it's open let's yeah, 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 go yeah, yeah, yeah. go go you know it yeah. was like ski until you can't stand up anymore yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i was honestly the same a couple years ago where i was like yeah like this i need to do this i need to go it's like i feel like i've gotten so old in the last five years like i've aged 20 years in the last five years it feels like where yeah. like now i'm like i'm salty about everything and i'm kind of becoming a curmudgeon almost where i just like it's just like wait like it'll happen it'll it'll just happen no i think i think that's just how we are when we you know we just develop as humans and yeah. uh yeah no i i feel you the same on that one for sure um let me let me ask you then about the van business because i think that's that's an important one to touch on obviously why did you decide that you wanted to get into building vans i have a couple friends that do this on the side and obviously we have alpine vans as a sponsor of the show as well but like tell me tell me a little bit about why you get into it because like i i've looked at my friends build vans i've looked at todd build vans and it like it stresses me the fuck out so why why would you want to get into this business and what what was like the switch that turned where you're like this is the thing that i actually want to do what stresses you out though there's just so much going on. you're putting a house in a car you know what i mean it's like you're literally taking a house and you're stuffing it into a van that's what stresses me out yeah it's like it's like i feel like running a van business is running five small businesses in <laughs> one i mean like there's so many things it's uh no so why i got into it um I uh, I always enjoyed traveling a lot and uh, doing it for work. Filming is a huge thing to me that's been changing my life. And I'm so grateful for being able to do that. And 
then when I came to North America, it was a lot of things in North America that you can access by by having a van and uh, it's a bit different because before I was, you know, traveling all around the world to all these different places, but you don't, didn't need a van for that at all. Um, and then I came to North America and I always, you know, looked into tiny houses and vans and stuff. And, and then I just decided even before I started filming the 50 project, I was like, I'm going to build a van just for fun. So, I I bought a um I bought an old uh, Chevy Express passenger van from Southern California and I drove it all up uh, to Northern California where I lived at that time and decided to convert it and it was just fun I looked at videos how to do things and I feel like I, the the creative side of me have it's always been a big part of me so I designed the whole van in my head I have this ability in my head that I can design every little inch in my head. Mm. And then after that, put it into reality, basically. Right. And, um, so I built this van and then, uh, and then I started filming more and more in North America. And then I used it all winter Then I sold it and made another one. And then I kind of did that four years in a row where I built a van, built it nicer more functions uh, in it and i was just like why not start a side business and mm-hmm. and and see how it goes you know let's let's give it a try for a year and then and then i can pull out if i want because it's not that much of a commitment the first year and then i was trying a whole year and i was like well we have a good team we have a warehouse it's going really well uh, people love our vans because they're very different from the average factory van out there. And that's the kind of people I want to work with too. So we uh, decided to continue and now it's it's full on. We started building another couple of vans two weeks ago that are finished in mid-January. They're both already sold actually. And then we have some more clients and building our own vans. So that's kind of how I got into it by living in them too, because... I think creating a house is easier for people because they lived in house so they can mm. they can refer to their own experiences. But then I hear some people starting van business and they never lived in a van. Mm. And I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> not gonna say any you're doing anything wrong, but good luck finding out what works and what doesn't work, buddy. You know, like it's you gotta spend the time out there. It's the same with developing uh, ski gear or mountaineering equipment yeah the people who are doing that are the people that are working with it and they are out hundreds of days a year because you can't have someone who skis a week a year to develop a new jacket like right it's it's kind of a waste so same with van business i think that if if you've been spending a lot of time in the vans then you'll have a good idea what works and what doesn't work and uh, all these functionalities you can put in there. And so that's, what's been helping us to be able to create these vans and design them. I'm literally designing them from my own experience and that's it. And yeah. then I get my own ideas and others ideas, and then we create our own. So that's kind of how it all started. How, how much variance is there from like van to van? Like a customer comes to you, they're like, I want this. How, how, how much variance is there from build to build when you're making these things? And 
have people come to you with these ideas that they want in their van that are just like not feasible or too far fetched to make happen? Like what? Because I don't even know how to approach it. Right. Like, like you said, like I know how to approach a house cause I've lived in a house. Like I have this van sitting in our parking lot right now. And I'm like, I would have never thought about any of the things that they put in this. I would have never considered that you need any of these items. Like you need to drain the water. There's a gray tank. There's solar to deal with. Like there's so many things that you just don't consider. And even spacing wise, like to make every inch count is so bizarre to me. So I guess how much variance is there? And like, do people come to you with stuff that you're just like, this is not going to happen? It does. And I'm completely honest with them. Um, uh, it's like very often it's like, I want this, I want that, I want this and this. I'm like, well, it sounds like you need two vans. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just honest with them too. You know, it's, yeah. uh, and, and they, and, and they trust me. That's the good thing I feel. Um, I'm not taking on any client just like in five minutes, we have conversations and I talk with them and, and we come up with these ideas together and I'm honest with them. I'm like, if there are things that you want in there and I like them, uh, I say that they are going to work or not based from my own experience. But then someone says another idea and I'm like, that is not going to work because of this and this. I'm not just saying no, I'm mm -hmm. saying no because of this and give them a reason because otherwise it's kind of, well, why doesn't he want that? You know? Um, so Sometimes they come with ideas that are uh, crazy and sometimes they come with ideas that are good. And some people will just be like, we want exactly the van that you build uh, that year, this one. And I'm like, yeah. okay, cool. Not a problem. So it's a, it's a bit different. Uh, some people want to be part of the design and some people don't, you know? Yeah. Is there, is it more exciting to you as a builder and as a designer one way or the other? Like if somebody wants what you designed, I imagine there's like this, like the same van that you were running. I imagine that there is this like almost pride that you design something that somebody really wants. But I also imagine that like there's a certain level of creativity that goes into a fresh design. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to me, that's a fine balance because if someone comes to me, uh, so right now we're doing uh, two vans that are identical. Yeah. Uh, and they have some new features in them, but they are very, they are like 100% identical. Uh, so that's obviously way easier. And I see why big van companies only stick to their models and cause it cuts down the time to like, like you cannot even, uh, compare it, you know? Right. So. So I see that in terms of uh, hours and business, it's like way more efficient and affordable. Yeah. So I see, I see why. Um, I like working with clients uh, sometimes if they're not too picky because yeah. it's fun to create something special for them and something that's very unique. We worked on this together and that can be a pain in the ass if the client is just... <laughs> A lot of work you know yeah. and like talking to you all the time about this and this and that and i, I understand them too because it's a big passion for them right so it's, right. it's like and for me to then answer that makes them even more fired up so and uh, the good thing with that is that i can be more creative and we can come up with new ideas uh the only downside is that you know it's just going to take more time and cost the client more money because it's going to be a hundred percent custom ban you know so it's it's extremely time consuming to do it. So it has its both pros and cons, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think dealing with the picky customers and the, like, like the people that are very specific and neurotic about what they want, I think is, 
on one hand you get it right because it's like it is an expensive thing it's an investment whatever whatever but there's like i always wonder if those people on that side of things are considering the other person on the end of it you know what i mean like i work in a ski shop a lot like a lot of like mounting points was a thing i complain about all the time to people because people are just insane about where they want stuff and like they'll i've had people come in and want to mount stuff three four times and this is on a ski mind you you know like not even going into the detail of a van and it drives me insane. You're just like, go ski, you know, like go and use it and try it and then make the, like, I, you got to just use it and get used to it. It can't just, everything can't be what it was before and everything can't be what it is in your head. And that's, that's a difficult thing to deal with sometimes is like figuring out those people and, and how to make them happy and how to not lose money by spending hours upon hours and upon like hours making this thing work for them. No, you're, you're totally right. So imagine then an entire house that's going <laughs> to fit into a van. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's totally bananas. But I also feel like, um, I think if I was, uh, if I was 22 and started this business, I would, I would just say yes, 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 yes. And answer emails 24 yeah. seven and make it work. But now I'm like, you know, it's, it's not, I have a life on the side. Uh, if, uh, if a customer is texting me on Saturday night because they fired up because they watched a video and be like, we want this in our new van, you know, and I just started talking with them or something. I obviously not going to respond till Monday. You know, <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> like, uh, but then, like you said, it's a fine balance. You know, it's like, yeah. you don't want to lose the customer, but, and then on the flip side, I'm like, I'm also like need to have my boundaries too, but, yeah. uh, then uh, I was emailing with some clients the other week and I got a bit frustrated and I was like, well, Bjarne, they're spending a lot of money on this van. So that's also why they want to know about these two inches. And I was like, if I was going to spend that much money on a house <laughs> or a van, I would also like to have a lot of questions answered. So I tried to put myself in their shoes yeah. uh, as much as I can to like understand their thoughts yeah yeah i it's it's difficult it's funny you mentioned that like i got a second phone like a few months ago i don't know where the second one is but i got a second phone because people were texting me about ski stuff like oh, really? 3 a.m on a friday night like hammered texting me about oh this ski is this this ski is that this boot like i need this bike i'm thinking about this build kit i'm thinking about this thing and at after a certain point i was like fuck this shit like i can't like, I can't even see it because if I see it, like the part of me that's like, oh, I need to answer is like stressed and needs to like answer yeah. it. So like I have a phone that stays in my car when I get home and I have a phone that like I can like have my friends and like all the people in my life like in. And I think it makes life a little more confusing sometimes and it makes it a little more calm, but it's worth the extra money per month to me in my sanity to make it work that way. I think that's smart to have that boundary. I think that's clever. Yeah. So, so far it's been... It's been okay. It is confusing, and I actually end up answering the work phone less often than I than I was expecting. But you know, it is what it is. It's I guess to some extent to be expected. So, um, let me let me ask you about the fifty project. Obviously, that's where people I feel like know you the best from, especially as of late. Um, like you, I think you do a great job, and Cody does a great job of like you're both characters in it right like people feel attached to the both of you because of the dialogue back and forth because of you guys being partners in the backcountry and doing this this whole thing what is that what has the experience been like for you and how did you get involved with cody in the first place 
Uh, well, how how I got involved, I guess we can start with then. It's uh, I was uh, helping to film this eclipse film that Solomon did in Svalbard. Uh, when uh, we were filming this photographer, Ruben Kravi, who was capturing this amazing photo, and I was part of filming that on that trip, helping out. And uh, Cody was on that trip, and that's the first time I met him. And uh, he, I mean, we were just like starting to be buddies on yeah. the trip, the same as the other athletes. That's just how it is on those trips, you know? Uh, and then after that, I came to visit him a couple of times in Tahoe just to ski for fun. Yeah. Because uh, I, I like to do that. I don't like to only have working buddies. It's like also fun to ski on the side with no cameras and just have fun. Yeah. So I did that. And then, um, and then he asked me about this project. And it was funny because three months prior to the project, which was now, what is that? Like four or five years ago now yeah. when he asked me about this. And I decided to, oh, I want to see more in North America. You know, I'm like, yeah. I uh, I don't want to film in one spot only. I haven't been in North America that much. I'd like to see it more. And I should combine that with filming, I felt. And then a couple of months later, he called me and I was like, yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, yeah, no, you know, I have this project. I'm like, dude, that sounds like a big project. Like, I don't know all these mountains whatsoever, but, yeah. you know, I'm in. That sounds great. Let's do it. Uh, and then we were like, yeah, two to three years, you know, we could probably, probably pull, <laughs> pull it up, you know, like. Guess not. Forget it. Yeah. Four years later, like, we had like seven left and it's like, we have like, I don't know, maybe we never finish it. Maybe, maybe we finish it in two, three years, or maybe never. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe 10 years, I don't know, but it's, uh, uh, that's kind of how we met, you know? Uh, yeah. What, how many you said is left? Seven are left? Mm -hmm. That's not that many. Like, is there motivation to like, actually like finish this thing in any pay? Like, it's funny, Cody actually talked about it. I feel like a few weeks ago, like on Instagram or Twitter or something like that, talking about how the time frame has changed so much. Is there is there any motivation for either of you to be like let's just let's just wrap this thing up? I think there is motivation to continue, of course, because yeah. that's what we're going to do. And uh, but it's also developed to this thing where we are developed the films to not just like tiny episodes. It's right. more involvement in how to make this of a story and build it up more. And we're trying to change it and bring other people on board. And it's it become way bigger and better than both Cody and I thought from the start, I think. And uh, I mean, it was his idea. So it was like he had this vision and I think it's just been better than his vision. I think Yeah, it sounds like, you know, because it's been growing so much and it's a huge project. It's amazing. And uh, so I think that I don't think we are worried about we have to do these uh, episodes. Uh, sorry, these uh, these lines. It's yeah. like we do what we can and and then uh, we plan for it and we do our best and uh, if we manage to do that peak that year great if we don't we try next year and we see how that feels you know i don't think there's any pressure on us to finish the 50 yeah uh, there is pressure on making episodes you know if you make a whole new season contracts with sponsors left and right then we have pressure to make episodes but that's not 
I mean, of course, mm-hmm. that's tricky, but it's easier to make episodes than tick these lines off because the seven that are left are uh, some of the harder ones, which means they take a lot of time. We're not going to just rock up to one of the trickier ones uh, and then run it up and ski it down. You know, we might spend a month to see conditions mm-hmm. and make sure that if snow falls down or there are slough coming, we know where that slough is going. And like, we're not going to take those risks of just spending that little time there and just run up. And uh, so I think, I think that's been a, a huge thing to realize too, that, you know, we do what we can this season and then we assess after and uh, see how we feel. You know, if, if the end of the season and code is like, you know what, Bjarne, uh, at the end of the season, let's say we get um, two or three or four extra in here, you know? And then he's like, you know what? Let's call it. I'm like, right, cool. High five, buddy. That was fucking sick. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't have to have those 50. Uh, I think both of us would be very excited if we managed to do it. But uh, I mean, I don't want to sit in a sofa and be like, yeah, we're going to do it. Cause then you don't (laughs) even have to go. I think we just have to go and try Fisher Skis is a sponsor of the Out of Bounds podcast. They've been one of our best sponsors, one of our longest running partners. And I am, uh, every year, I'm more and more psyched to get involved with these people and keep working with them and keep exploring the possibilities of working with a brand and also keep exploring my just product. I love talking about product. I'm sure people have heard this. I'm sure people have watched a review or two on the YouTube. Like I'm a product nerd. It's what my background is. It's what I care about. And this stuff is about as nice of a product as can possibly exist. And uh, I'm glad people are not sleeping on the product anymore. The stuff is just has gotten so good. It's so it's consumable now. Like people understand what the product is. They're getting the message and they're getting that skiing fisher shit is a dope thing to do. So Get yourself a pair of new Rangers. I actually am going to talk a little bit about the Fisher Hannibal because it's probably getting into touring season, I hope, by this point. Um, A couple weeks out, like it's 75 degrees outside right now, and I'm not happy about that. But um, the Fisher Hannibal is, I mean, it's a phenomenal ski. Lightweight, skis exceptionally well. And, uh, and man, like, that's my go-to for a touring ski. It's, It's strong enough, like I'm 220 pounds, like it's strong enough for me to ski on in just about any type of condition, but it's fun. It's exciting. Like it's, it's actually a ski. It's a touring ski that you actually want to ski on. So, uh, check out the Hannibal 96 or 106 either way. Just obviously the shapes are actually a little bit different. Maybe that's not obvious. The shapes are a little bit different depending on the width that you go with. Um, obviously they've got the really, again, maybe not obvious, but they have these really nice little skin notches. And, uh, as I said before, the product is exceptional. So fishersports.com, check that stuff out. If you have gear questions, please reach out to me. Just hit me up either on email, adam at adamatoutofpodcast.com or on the DMs because I love to help people out with their gear. And uh, I promise I'm going to try to put you in Fisher stuff first, but if I can't, I'm happy to answer any and all questions. Um, next, we have our friends at Deuter. It's Deuter from Hans Deuter, not Deuter, okay? Uh, Deuter makes the best backpacks in the world, on planet Earth, point blank, end of conversation, no more talking about it. It is, uh, they're just the best. Um, Especially this new Freeride Pro 34 Plus backpack that I just got. Um, We've actually, X had a different one, so I've been playing with it quite a bit, actually, and I had to get myself one. Uh, Multiple ways to carry your skis, your ice axe, your snowboard, your 
pocketbook, whatever you want. Like you can carry anything in this pack. It's extremely comfortable. It spreads out the weight on the pack really, really well. Um, it's accessible from the top. Uh, it is tons of different pockets. I'm, I'm a huge fan. So, uh, go to Deuter, D-E-U-T-E-R.com and, uh, check out a new bag. I mean, whether it's like the travel stuff or it's a ski pack like this, or it's a hip pack, hiking pack, whatever Deuter makes the best stuff, uh, point blank. And I think anybody would tell you that. And I hope that you guys will check out their stuff. Deuter.com. Thank you very much. And back to the episode. What has been the most challenging aspect for you? Not just obviously athletically, like it's very difficult and there's a lot to it. And, you know, as a mountaineer, it's, there's, there's so many details involved with doing stuff like this, but I'm more interested in as a storyteller and as a filmer, like what, what has been the most difficult part about doing this project for you so far? Um, personally, I don't feel climbing or skiing the mountains have been the hardest thing. Uh, and I'm not saying that to sounds like a sound like a I don't know how to express myself in English, but like an idiot. <laughs> but it's like some of these mountains are pretty easy to do. You know, it's like they are you know uh, and a day of work going up skiing down and and that's it. And uh, some of the mountains are really difficult and really dangerous. And uh, so the hardest part hasn't been to the physical part has not been hardest. Uh, it's always tricky to find good storytelling and good filming when I'm at the same time trying to think about safety, where we at, snowpack, and okay, that person is there, we can get a shot over there. Oh, no, we can't because there's a rock over there that might fall on us. And mm. that uh, that has more of a convex over there, so I should not go there. Like My mind like goes like that all the time. Yeah. Uh, and and I think as a team we all do that, but maybe I'm doing it a bit extra quietly because right. I have all these filming angles I'm also thinking about, and and that's why it's good. Cody and I worked a lot together, so you know, if I think too much about that, he can be like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't go there because of that, and I'm like, mm. oh yeah, thanks, buddy. I didn't even think about that because you know because of this and this, and he's like, oh yeah, totally. So uh, that's that's always tricky. I think finding that uh, balance of uh, climbing, skiing, trying to get good angles and, okay, is the audio good? Uh, do we have batteries? Oh, no, that audio is going to die in two hours. We got to start charge that in one hour. And then mm. I got to make sure I have batteries that are not dying on the top when we get the <laughs> crucial moment. And it's like, I guess it's more nature for me now. But if yeah. I start writing you a list right now, it's going to be huge of things to think about. Right, but to me, it's more like second nature, where it's just kind of I've done it for many years. I I can always forget something. I mean, we are humans; we fuck right. up. Uh, right, but I've done it for so many years, so it's like it's kind of in there. But something that has been uh, tricky for me has been to not have any routine whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, that's something that people maybe don't think about. But uh, I'm like, imagine yourself going on a journey and you're going to work every day and you don't know how the next day is going to look like. Mm. Like you're not going to have any routine. You're not going to be able to chat with friends as much. You're not going to be able to keep, keep up business because you don't know when you can have meetings or do emails and, yeah. you know, talking to my family back home in Sweden, I can only do that in the mornings. 
and then keep in touch with friends. And that kind of routine has been a, a big challenge for me personally. It's been a uh, very hard without knowing what's going to happen the next week uh, yeah. and just go with the flow. And I think I'm an easygoing person in many ways. Uh, that's what people have been telling me and that's been helping me to be able to do this. Yeah. But that's been a struggle for sure. Like I talked to, you know, the team with it too. It's like, that's not been the easiest thing for me to uh, always say yes and be on the road for these months and not have any routine whatsoever. Forget yoga and meditation in the morning and right. do your coffee routine, like out of the window for four months and then come back to your normal life after. That's yeah. That part to me is probably the most stressful aspect of things, right? Because you, you are, you're just doing like, you're just acting right. Like you're just going through the motions of like doing whatever is in front of you. And I think there's, there's a really beautiful part about that because you are just like living in the moment you're doing whatever like it's literally the definition of living in the moment because you have no no routine no choice no anything like it is you're taking what life gives you but that's also a thing that like not nobody gets to experience in their life like there's a very very small fraction of the world that gets to experience that kind of existence totally i'm always about you know i always have the philosophy of you know live in the moment and take things in where you are right now in the universe and it's going to be beautiful and some people definitely agree and then they are like <laughs> i did that for a month and i was so cool actually it was three weeks beyond it helped my life and i'm like awesome do it for four months and see how you feel buddy you yeah. know like it's a it's a it's it's a, a very good challenge uh so to speak if that makes sense and uh yeah. it's um that's probably been and that's something I'm not like, you know, I can say it in an interview podcast, you and I chatting, we can talk about it yeah. so people understand the backstory of it, you know. Um, but uh, so that's been probably the hardest thing to not have any routine or not knowing what's going to happen uh, the next week for, you know, months, months, months. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll jump back kind of to some 50 stuff in a second here. But like, I, I do want to talk to you about because you mentioned before we even got on like actually recording about doing yoga, meditation, like this kind of stuff. Like what, what benefit do you think that stuff brings you in your life, specifically the meditation aspect of it? Because I've, I've kind of been diving into it a little bit more lately and listening to listening to podcasts, talking about the benefits of it and the different types and like how it benefits your brain and the actual like sciences behind it, I guess. And I'm still, I'm still kind of processing some of the things that I, that people find important about it. So I'm wondering what you find beneficial in doing like a morning me meditation routine. Like what, what does it give you? Um, first I didn't realize what it gave me. I started meditating just five, 10 minutes for some years ago. And I added on one minute only every Monday. Mm. So I started five minutes to just get into it. And, uh, next week, six minutes and then i did that for like many 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 weeks and then i was suddenly uh, meditating for more than half an hour you know every every morning and uh, i didn't feel that difference you know i was like oh, i gotta give it half a year or a year try no. but but then i stopped and i was like holy moly that was not good <laughs> so and i was like oh damn that was so big difference um so i've been bad at taking that time the last couple yeah. of years but i recently started again and uh, 
it helps me with uh, frustration or it helps me with patient. Uh, it helps me with uh, be more, be, be even more present with people. Yeah. And uh, it helps me with uh, so many, like it helps me with communication, with uh, relationships. Uh, it helps me with uh, a lot of things in life. I feel uh, I don't, I don't see it straight away. And I don't think personally, I don't think it's very easy to feel the difference. The first, maybe the first month or two, but just continue to do it. And then, and then it makes me, uh, it, it makes a huge difference. I don't think I feel that difference when it comes to training or being in the mountains to me, but meditation and yoga helps me a lot to, I'd say like, maybe it sounds a bit cheesy, but cheeky or cheesy. What do you say in America? Cheesy. Cheeky is like, uh, almost like you're being a dick like uh, uh yeah, cheesy is yeah. like uh romanticized almost you know uh yeah exactly so that's a bit how i feel it's like yeah it actually helps me be a better person in everyday life mm. when it comes to uh those uh, those things i feel yeah yeah one of my closest friends like started getting into this kind of stuff he actually like quit his job moved on the road like lived there for like lived out of his car for a year and a half or something like this and he came back and he's like oh i've been meditating every day been doing all this stuff and like sometimes i'm like oh this dude's gone off the deep end right like he's like he's far into like himself and like his own head and all this shit but the the meditation aspect of it like i'll see him and i'll watch him and i'll watch him take the space and the routine of this thing and it has very much actually changed the way that he engages with other people too and I think just the small things in his tendencies, like it, it almost seems like it's a good reset. It's like when I, when I wake up, I act like a, like a crazy person almost, right? Like I, I do whatever my first thing is, but like almost always the second thing I do every single day is get a cup of coffee, right? Like I have to, if I don't and I'm on the road and I'm doing whatever, I do not function for the first three hours of the day. Like it, it feels like it takes so much longer for me to actually get in that routine and he used to be like this too. And, and the meditation aspect of it is almost, it seems like that's replaced that for him, you know? Yeah, I can, I can, I can see that, you know? Uh, yeah. I think everyone's got different, uh, positive things happening from meditation towards them. And I can, I can totally see that that could be a, a good routine to start with the morning with some meditation and, uh, and not have the, not have the coffee start your brain or your yeah. not have the coffee start your day. Like have yourself do that. That's something else. I like to work on personal stuff. And that's one of the things yeah. I'm working on right now is to have uh, me start my day and my, uh, and my creativity and not the coffee straight away. Yeah. It's a difficult but, thing. I mean, I, I live in Oregon. We love our coffee. We talk about <laughs> coffee all the time here. Come on. It's like, coffee roasters left and right i'm surprised you haven't started a coffee brand yet like it makes sense that would have been a lot easier yeah. i feel like that's way to come for years yeah exactly there you go you're gonna get finished with the 50 project and then that's gonna be the next venture i feel like um yeah, yeah it it's funny you're right though like that is how uh, it's either i start my day with my phone way too often or i start my day with coffee way too often and you're right like you're not you're not starting your day like that thing. It's not even the coffee itself. That's the problem for me ever. It's the fact that like, it is my start. Like it's the alarm clock of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's also a nice ritual. It's a nice routine, you know, nice. like many, many people that stop <laughs> coffee, they, they don't miss 
I mean, I'm drinking coffee now. It's great, you know. Right, I, right, I like right. the taste of coffee, but like many people, when they stop coffee, they we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, uh, some friends, and and it was like, I don't miss the coffee uh, uh, flavor or the or maybe uh, feeling that I have a lot of energy after a coffee. It's more that they miss that routine of mm. having a coffee with a friend or in the morning sit there with a cup of coffee and look at the window and all that, you know. So I, I can. I can see that. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying everyone needs to stop coffee. No, 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 I mean, no, no. I enjoy my <laughs> I enjoy my coffee a lot. You know. No, no, that's complete. It's almost like sacrilege, like to to talk like that. So I don't think that's not where I'm going with it either. It's it's funny though. People do have almost the same attachment to alcohol sometimes, right? Like where they don't and like people don't necessarily. Some people obviously very different in their relationships, very toxic with alcohol, and that's. I'd actually probably argue that's a, that's a lot of the people out there have a toxic relationship with it. But I think people have that routine. They want to go skiing and then have a beer. They want to go do like it's the routine. It's the it's like the method in which they're going to. It's like it signifies something. The end of a day, like the closure of an agreement, the 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 finality of something is almost why people drink in a lot of cases too. And I think especially like outdoor athletes you see it all the time it's like everybody ends up back in the van they have a beer they move on with their day right like it's or you meet at the bar after a day of skiing like that's a thing in this industry because it's like culminating the closure of things in some ways yeah i agree but i also think that the industry is uh yeah i mean pushing too much towards that kind of stuff sometimes uh a hundred percent when when you see that i think that there are other things you can do and uh without having a beer every day. Like, uh, 100%. Uh, I mean, I can go, I have pretty strong opinions about that. I would, kind love, of stuff. To, I <laughs> would love to hear them. I mean, honestly, because I, I struggle with it a lot, right? Like I go three, four, five months without drinking sometimes. Like, and I feel, yeah. I feel amazing. And then I have a few and I'm like, Oh, it's kind of nice. And then I realize that like, I'm back in the routine of like having really a few, you know, and it, it makes a big difference. And I, it's really interesting to see there was a study that was done recently talking about like it takes 60, 60, 61 days, something like that for alcohol to actually like fully leave your system to clean out of your body. Like that's a crazy thing to me that something can affect you that much for that long. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm not going to go into numbers and, and uh, statistics and yeah. all that because I haven't studied it, so I don't know all those numbers because yeah. there's probably someone listening here and be like, okay, I'm going to hear what they say now. And then I'm going to, then I'm going to go to the internet for and sure, say that they sure. said this and this because uh, people don't want to do it in person anymore. They write things online instead. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's like, <laughs> you got to be careful. Yeah. Uh, but what I feel about that is that, you know, I talked to my brother about it. He's a, he's an ex- extremely good athlete and he's a, uh, he works as an international uh, mountain guide in Chamonix in France and uh, very, very smart in many ways and take care of his body. And now he's in med school. And, you know, he started reading more and more about alcohol, like it kills so many people in the world. It's absolutely nuts that we even having it being advertised like that, like cigarettes yeah. many years ago. But it's like, I mean, I, I enjoy my bourbon, you know, on a, on a Friday, Saturday night, have a bit of bourbon. Amazing. But personally, I don't drink Monday to Friday uh, anymore. Uh, and I only allow it uh, a little bit in the weekend. I've never been a party person, so it hasn't been a big step for me. Yeah. Like if someone told me we're not going to drink for a year, I'd be like, hey, I don't care, you know. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so so that's how I feel about that, I guess. And 
another routine, by the way, is that uh, I don't do any social media Friday night to Monday morning. What? That's uh, that's another one. Yeah, no, it's great. Dang. Just move the app away somewhere else. Don't click on it wow. Friday evening to Monday morning. And it's been so good. Like, I recommend that to everyone. It's <laughs> it's so cool. Because then you're like opening up Instagram or something on Monday. You're like, oh, this is kind of fun, you know? Yeah, it like resets uh, it. So I find myself often be like, you know, check something on the phone. And then unconsciously, I'm opening a social media app. I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? That's yeah, just yeah, waste yeah, of yeah. life, you know? Like, why am I doing that, you know? So, uh, I think, I mean, that's, I'm not saying it's from everyone. I'm not saying, I mean, I'm not perfect in any way. I'm just saying that that's definitely really good to try. That takes a lot of discipline, man. I can't tell you how many times I go to look something up on my phone, like, and I end up opening social, like, and then my, like, 30-second quick Google search turns into me scrolling for five minutes. Like, it's just... Right? That's how it is, especially like you're trying to build a brand, you're trying to build a business. It's like you're afraid to miss something, right? Like you're afraid something's going to happen. You're not going to know about it, especially like in media. It's like I'm like trying to be like whatever the pulse is, I'm trying to find that pulse. So it's hard because you're always searching for shit to talk about. You're always searching for stuff. But I actually really like the idea of like Friday through Sunday, like you just cut it out. Like it actually probably would benefit me a ton to do something like that. But I don't know if I'm disciplined enough. <laughs> Well, try it. You know, I, yeah. I had a I had a talk. To, uh, I had a dinner with a buddy of mine on uh, Thursday last week. I think it was. Uh, we just had dinner together, and and uh, we talked about that. So he was going to try it as well this yeah. weekend. Uh, so I, I actually texted him like an hour ago and be like, "How is your weekend without social media?" <laughs> so we'll see what he said. I haven't turned my phone. It's on flight mode now when we talk, but it's gonna. I'm curious to see. Yeah. It's, uh, it's it's like social media is great in many ways, and I work I use it for work all the time. Right. If it wasn't for that, I would probably just have, you know, my close friends on there and share some stuff. But it's it's amazing in so many ways. Uh, but it's also a, a better life without it, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, maybe I'll I'll dabble into that as well. And yeah, I I agree. I agree with a lot of what you said there. I think I think it's important. I think people should, and myself included. Like I was looking at my screen time on travel days, and I'm like, this is fucked. Like to be on your phone for 10 hours on a travel day because you're sitting in the airport is like, is completely fine. You look at that time and you're like, where was I? Like, what did yeah. I do during that time frame? Like, I don't even know what happened to it. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff that gets really romanticized in the industry and whether it's alcohol or whether it's social or any of these things, like it's just, it does get romanticized and that's, that's part of the industry and it has been part of the industry for a long time. But I think we are starting to see this shift, especially on the alcohol side where people are like, they're trying to not drink like people are doing like it seems like more people and you can tell me if you've seen this as well are trying to make a conscious effort to be aware of their alcohol consumption to be aware of the way that their their relationship is with with drinking you know yeah i think so too uh i think there are a lot of other things we can do to if we have to calm down after a work day or if it's something else i think there are many different things we can do uh to to uh, uh feel, feel that calmness or something yeah. uh it's it's up to any individual i think whatever works for them but if you feel like you need a a, a drink every day to calm down uh, to yeah. me that's a huge indication yeah. that <laughs> we might need to have a chat you know like yeah if, if that's my close friend i would probably 
try to talk to that person and just be like, how, how do you feel about this? Have you, yeah, like, have you thought about that? Or, uh, but then, like, opening up a beer after a good day and you kind of warm and go to right. the bar and have a beer, like, that's pretty sweet, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't do it. Of course not. Yeah. There's a hard, it's a hard balance to find. Like, that's one of the things that, like, I think people really struggle with because it is an addictive thing and, like, people get used to it. But I'll tell you what, like, at least from my personal experience, like, when I stop for a long period of time, I feel so much, I didn't realize how shitty I was feeling, I guess, is yeah. the biggest thing, right? It's like, you don't even know, yeah. like meditation, like you don't even know what you're missing until you stop doing it. And then I stopped doing it. And I'm like, holy shit. Like I, like I feel less swollen. Uh, my face doesn't feel like as bloat, like everything changes. Even if you're not like, it's not like I was drinking a lot. I was hardly drinking, but like it made a difference in the way I felt almost like within the first month. Totally agree. You know, that's uh probably the big reason why I don't do it. I just sleep better and I need yeah. to sleep to be able to function and do everything I like to do. Uh, so if I don't get sleep, then everything else doesn't work. So for me to get sleep, uh, I don't have that extra beer or that glass of wine and on Wednesday too often at all anymore. And I just sleep better uh, and then I can function more. So um, also like if I'm going to go for a long run the next morning, uh, like we did here uh, on uh, Sunday last week and also this week, actually, like a long trail run. Of course, I'm not going to have uh, something to drink the night before if I'm going to, you know, run yeah. for two, three hours the next morning. It's like I, I can feel that difference very much if I have a drink or two or if I don't, if I exercise a lot the next day. Yeah. Uh, so. But some people can still exercise and good for them. I, I'm just, I guess I'm too sensitive. I'm kind of a sensitive dude when it comes to a lot of things. So that's stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel that wholeheartedly. It's like, it feels like things affect me a lot more than, and I'm watching it affect people less, you know, they're doing the same thing or more. And I'm like, I, I don't know how you function, you know, like it's, it, I, I shut down. It's, it's the, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. I think I'm like, wow, how can you do that? That's amazing. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's difficult, but yeah, it is, it is impressive to see people do that kind of shit and function and exist like that. But, <laughs> um, anyway, la one of the last things I want to ask you about about the 50 is the the storytelling aspect of it. I talked to Nikolai Shermer a few weeks ago, who I think is like pound for pound one of the best storytellers in skiing. Like, I think that's what he does better than anything else, right? Like, is put out these films and these stories where he tells these stories. Like, it's the story more than the skiing. And I think that's the same reason that people have attached themselves so much to the 50. It's not about the skiing. It's not about the lines. It's It's about the way that watching you guys go through the motions makes them feel and makes them feel attached to you as people. I think that that like sells the whole thing, so to speak. So was that conscious? Is it just yours? Like, is it just the style that you guys decided to shoot this in? Is it the style that you decided to make this work in? I, I really appreciate it. And I think that that's been one of the highlights of this whole project. And the reason that it's been so successful to me is obviously it's hard. It's a challenge. Like without that, you know, would not be relevant because anybody can go out and do whatever. But I think the athletic feat mixed with the way that you're telling the story makes it so relatable to people. So how, how did you decide that this was the route that you guys were going to go? I think it's been developing more and more, okay. but I also think that, um, like, think about it. If you do a film with this, if you do a project with this many episodes and it's only about, oh, we went here and we skinned up here and then we turned around and then we tried it and it was sick and we got it. 
Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. Sixty episodes of those, <laughs> and and see if people like it. Like I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. So, so it's like uh, code is very good at like right now. We actually write out the episodes a little bit before. Yeah. Uh, you know, not exactly, of course, because you can't write whatever you're gonna do when you climb a mountain. But in terms of the story, we're trying to. You know he's very good at writing things down uh like like uh you know he he's got family that are like into journalism and and things like that so he's kind of having it in his blood a little bit which is awesome yeah and uh, and then and then we kind of talk about it together uh how we can how we can make it better from our thoughts and uh, and uh, it's just more challenging and it's more fun it's more giving because to me if if someone asked me, do you want to come and film uh, 50 peaks in Europe? Uh, there is no story. We're just going to climb them, ski them, and show how cool we are. I'm like, and uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's why it's, it's so interesting to go into uh, different stories that are still connected to, to the mountains. And uh, I think, to me, making a film is... Okay, so to me, make a film with no story, like most people can do it these days. You yeah. either do it with your phone or you buy a, a a cheap camera these days that have good enough quality to put on YouTube. Like that's actually something that most people can do because most people have a uh, a phone, yeah, which you can film pretty good quality on these For days. Sure. So that's something that most people can do, I think, in the world and. Uh, that's pretty easy to make a film, but to make a film with a story, you got to have some knowledge and passion and you got to kind of try and try different things. And that's really, really hard to make a film with a good story. Like, yeah, that is something that <laughs> most filmmakers are struggling with. Cause if you don't have a good story, it's just gonna, not going to be as good of a film, you know? Like, mm. I think if you look at the, uh, the film festival and what was in the, ski films or adventure movie festivals like 15 years ago it was like uh, the coolest uh, best cinematography and they didn't think so much about story in my opinion For these sure. days it's like if you don't have a story and you try to make a film uh, it's not going to go down well if it doesn't have a good story because it's very easy to make a film with some cool ski shots you know totally uh, it's it's not that hard uh, so to make a good story is um something we're working on a lot a lot a lot and then try to try to make it uh as as good as possible and i think that i think a film can be it changes uh three times uh you you make the story and it changes three times uh, the first time is when you're planning your film and you are making the story up a little bit in the start and you're like this is where the story is gonna go and that's that's the first step of a change in the story because it's we, we're starting it right right and uh, and the second one is when you're actually out there filming because it's not going to go exactly what you think so then then the story goes a little bit then the film is changing a little bit again all right and then and then when you're in the editing room then it can change again so i think you as a filmmaker uh, making stories like that i think we are very open to all those three steps, I think it's important. Yep. Uh, kind of stick to it because you have a good plan, but also be open to wherever that comes, right? 
Yeah. And I think I think that's been making the 50 very uh, popular and people want to uh, want to follow it. But so th- I think that's one thing. The other thing is that we're just very human and uh, we don't make fake things right all the time and make it oh we don't want to show that because it makes me look weak like yeah, yeah of yeah. course we're gonna show that because the right. audience can love that part. they yeah, feel like way more connected you know like <laughs> it's like funny when athletes sometimes i've been filming for many years like no i, I don't want them to uh to film don't film this beyond i don't want them to see me be bad at this yeah. i'm like what like yeah. <laughs> don't you want to be human and have a film that people are going to like? Like, yeah. uh, to me, that's like a no brainer, you know? Yeah. It's funny. So like there's, there are a couple sides. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. To everything you said. It's funny. Like this is basically the conversation I had with Nico a few weeks ago or whatever. And, and it's, I think it's a hundred percent true. I think the storytelling makes everything and being authentic and being real makes everything. But there is a person that I actually wanted to ask you about who I think nobody knows anything about and has made a career after just being, seen as like this perfect almost like ghost like figure and seth morrison it seems like everything he does is like is the way he is and is the way he exists and like nobody he doesn't give a shit if anybody knows anything about him as a human it seems like he would actually rather people don't know anything as as a human what you worked with him 2011 you worked with him on uh the ordinary skier right like a little bit at least what what is he actually like can i can i ask you that what is it like to actually talk to that guy and be around that guy. Cause I'm trying to get this fucking guy on the show and like, he'll never, he answers me at least, which I feel like is a huge win, but he, he's like, nah, fuck that. Nothing to talk about. So what I is mean, like? I haven't, yeah, I haven't, I haven't spent that much time with Seth, yeah. uh, but definitely some, uh, a little bit in Chamonix a couple of times. And, uh, I think he's just like a quiet and nice guy. The little I know. Yeah. I haven't been on like big expeditions with him or like that. Uh, and also in 2011, that's like many years ago, I was yeah. just like, holy shit, I get to film with these guys. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, so, but now uh, I <laughs> I remember I was skiing in, in Chamonix, France for, I don't know, I don't know, four or five years ago. And we yeah. were up on, I give the midi on the top there and it's like hard crew, you know, going to drop into something. And, yeah. I see him there and he's a bit quiet and I'm like, I'm going to take the piss out of him. Yeah. <laughs> so he like, he like next to me and I'm like, Hey dude, don't take my line, dude. Yeah. Get in the line, man. Like everyone else. <laughs> and everyone's looking at me like, oh, you just saying that set more zone. And yeah. then I was like, Hey buddy, how's it going? <laughs> I just, I, oh. I kind of like to do that with someone like that. And he got a bit <laughs> shy, but you know, it's like, he's uh he's he's a good dude the little i know of him yeah and uh, uh, i don't think he likes to uh, uh speak like this in public so no. much and you know and, and sometimes i'm respecting that too if someone doesn't want to and yeah it's so long as they're humble about it and not like an idiot that's not cool but yeah i think he's just i think that guy is just very shy but extremely good skier though yeah yeah for sure i i want to like crack that egg open so to speak a little bit more but and he won't do it with yeah, anybody so fun. i'm like he hasn't even answered anybody so i'm like okay he answered me i feel very honored like because i've talked to all the other i'm like this is a big win i got an answer if i keep just fucking making memes of this guy and like picking on this like it just like dude he's either gonna block me or 
or he'll do it. So I think I, as long as I'm getting reaction, I'm happy. So uh, he's the only one that I've asked twice actually to be on the show. It's really it, it's it's interesting, but we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, anyway, I'm gonna let you get out of here. Um, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I really I really appreciate it. This has been great. Um, and obviously, like where where can people find you on the internet? Where can people find you? Where can people find the vans? Where can people find you on social media that you're only checking Monday through Thursday or whatever? <laughs> um, give give people the bit, kind of. Yeah, if they want to see what we're doing, uh, it's uh, the the van business is uh, is this. There you go. Son it's my last name, Adventure Vans, and it's on uh, Instagram and uh, website and Facebook, and then it's. If they want to see what I personally do in my work in the filming world, uh, it's uh, my name. It's Bjarne Salen. Uh, so they can just search on that on Instagram or Facebook and then can they reach out if they have any questions about filming, etc. But uh, sometimes I can't respond, but I do my best. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, thank you once again. 